Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 58. I'm recording it on Thursday, September 24th at 10.44 a.m. Eastern Time. And um, I'm going to continue this optimistic take on, um, on what the future bodes for us because it, it you know the more i think about it the more sense it's it's making and um just briefly i'm going to share my screen just to to give you an overview of why i feel so optimistic about um what will be happening um so let's see where is it all right so all right so let's let's just start with um, the epidemics by millennium, century, decade, and year. I've got the, gotten this from a Wikipedia page list of epidemics, and so like I mean we've gone through this before. What you need to understand is like during the first thousand years of this common era, there were eight epidemics. During the first decade of this. 2000s, you know, um, millennium, there were 42 epidemics. So um, over five times as many epidemics in 10 years as in a thousand years. Okay, that's um, point number one. Point number two, I mean, we should go over this a bit more, just this idea that um, these pandemics, you know, epidemics that that turn into pandemics are transmitted from animals. Okay, um, again, the flu is for, um, comes from pigs and birds. Mumps come come from bats. Smallpox comes from rats. Bubonic plague comes comes from rats and cats. The measles comes from cattle. Yellow fever from monkeys. AIDS. HIV AIDS from chimpanzees, avian flu from birds, Nipah virus from dogs, cats, goats, horses, pigs, and perhaps sheep. SARS comes from exotic animals, Ebola from monkeys, gorillas, and chimpanzees, Rift Valley fever, cattle, buffalo, sheep, goats, and camel. And notice, you know, most of these are domesticated animals. You know, we didn't really have this problem of epidemics and pandemics before the domesticated location um, of animals. Swine flu, pigs, mers, bats, and camels. And I want you to notice one other thing about this. Um, all right, from 1200 BCE through, let's say, 1998, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine major epidemics. And, and some of these are pandemics, actually. So like, so like nine in, in 2000, and in, in actually in over 3,000, yeah, close to 3,000 years. Uh, close to 3,000 years, you've got, what did I say, eight, nine, whatever. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, okay, nine in almost 3,000 years. Now, let's go over the last 20 years. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, 
So that should tell you a lot. That should tell you a lot. And again, lastly, this is why I'm optimistic that what needs to be done will be done. And we're going to create a much, much better world um, as a result of, um, of, of what we're going through. Um, an article in the Washington Post that appeared on April 15th, um, you know, just tells us that by that date, we had already spent $6 trillion on this coronavirus crisis. And it says the number could grow, okay? Um, so that's um, a couple of months after that, uh, June 1st, the New York Times publishes an article, pandemic to cost US economy 7.9 trillion over 10 years. Okay, and, and um, Forbes follows up this, the, the next day, coronavirus pandemic will cost US economy 8 trillion. And that is based on a congressional budget office estimate. So, so that, you know, that tells you how, um, and you know, we're not even going into the, the, the lives lost and you know, the, the many other ways that, uh, that this coronavirus pandemic has cost us. All right, so, and, and you know, interestingly, that's why I'm so optimistic, you know, because the, you know, the, the rate of transmission, the frequency of these epidemics as the first table showed is increasing and, and um, because we have 400 billion, no, I'm sorry, 4 billion um, airline flights each year. And, and a lot of these airline flights, you know, have over 100 passengers in them. Um, we, you know, the, the, the frequency of epidemics and pandemics is going to go up and up and also with the population growth. Um, so, so basically what we're, what the era we're, we're going into is, is it's, it's untenable. It's just, it would make no sense at all for us to, to just, um, to hope, to hope that this doesn't happen. Again, the infectious disease experts tell us it's not a matter of if, but when. Um, all right, so again, we've, we've re reviewed the, the, the risk we face, the economic cost we've already spent, and that, you know, that eight trillion may go to um, much more. And again, what this series is advocating, that we spend $50 billion over the next two years so that we can get these cellular agriculture products in supermarkets in two, three years so we can say, be safe. So we don't have to worry about this. Um, we can start worrying about climate change, which, um, which have been, we've been ignoring for decades and, <clears throat> and poses a major, major threat also. <coughs> Had the smoothie before earlier. I think some of these fruits are caught in my throat. All right, so, um, so now let's, let's play this out. Like, First, you know, let's, you know, because this is going to create a much better world in a lot of ways. Let's start with November's election. Trump hasn't a prayer. Uh, I mean, I, you know, this was said about Hillary, but 
the unfavorables, you know, people really didn't like Hillary. And, and, and people hadn't gone through this coronavirus, you know, and, and people didn't realize, didn't understand the level of discontent in this country, you know, in um, Pennsylvania, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Uh, but we now, you know, we've learned from this. Um, <clears throat> Trump is going to get trounced because, because um, of this economic toll because um, businesses, so many businesses have gone out of business. You know, the, these business people are not stupid. They, they, they understand that the Trump, for example, let's just take Trump's relation to this coronavirus. Because he has yet to take this seriously, because he's still dismissing it, because he hasn't, for example, used his War Powers Act to compel factories to make enough masks and tests. We don't have enough masks and tests, especially the, the N95 masks. I mean, go online, they're, they're very difficult to find. Um, you know, I just went to, to my local CVS um, and, and they're not, they don't have the tests, the COVID-19 tests, they, they, they can't administer them. So, I mean, businesses, and, and this will become much more apparent in October, you know, we're still in the late September, but businesses will, will realize that were Trump to win, um, we can expect maybe another two, three, perhaps four years of, of this pandemic. You know, that's the reality. Um, wearing masks, um, opening and closing, opening you know, and closing the economy. And, and you know, we're, you know the, the Fed um, can only do so much in terms of like, I mean, the interest rates are already at zero, you know, and, um, and again, we'll, we'll, we've already spent six trillion. So, so I think that the business community that generally calls the shots, you know, in terms of who gets elected. The last thing that they want is, um, a president who, who still denies this coronavirus and is doing nothing really to, uh, to help contain it, um, to win. So, all right, so like Trump loses, you know, probably gets trounced. And, you know, at that point, we can begin to make progress. At that point, you know, let's, let's say, I think, you know, people aren't yet, um, paying attention to how, why we must prevent future pandemics and how to do that because, you know, of this election, you know, now the Supreme Court battle is on, you know. Um, but, you know, in, in the spring, you know, we'll have, God willing, uh, Biden as our president. And, um, and people can begin to, and, and we, we may begin to open up. I mean, you know, it may be till next fall, it may be till spring of 2022 that, that we open up, that we stop wearing masks. But eventually, you know, over the next year, year and a half, whatever, we will stop wearing masks and people will, you know, think to themselves, we can't allow this to happen again. I mean, think about, you know, you're probably feeling that way already now, right? I mean, with what, what we've gone through, you're probably already saying, no, no, there's no way we can let this happen again if we can stop it.
Imagine how you're going to be feeling about in a year from now, even perhaps as early as spring. Uh, go through another holiday season where we're all distanced, can't be uh, with our loved ones. So use your imagination. So like people are saying, well, what can we do? Okay, and then again, I'm gonna like deliver this message over and over because that's this is the future. It's much more optimistic. It's much more positive, um, and and it's really it's 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 based on necessity. This isn't there's there's not much speculation that's necessary to reach these conclusions. So what can we do to to prevent future pandemics? There's two two reasonable options. One. Let me just go through the, the less reasonable option. The less reasonable option is to say to ourselves, well, you know, like what happens when, when, when the next pandemic happens, we're going to shut down much sooner. We're going to contain it. We're going to like, you know, make the masks and the tests and um, contact tracing and all. We're going to do a much, much better job. But, you know, that that strategy is not going to hold because um, this pandemic has been relatively mild in terms of lethality. You know, we could have a, another pandemic that's much, much um, more virulent, um, that spreads much more quickly, much more easily. Um, and it, it just like, it, it, it wouldn't make sense to just like hope that, that the next pandemic happens and we'll, we'll be able to contain it. You know, again, um, air travel, 4 billion passenger flights each year means that uh, it, whether it, the next one happens in China, in the United States, wherever it happens, it, it, gets, it goes all, all over the world. I mean, there's a, there's a strong like, likelihood. And again, this risk is, is, is increasing. So if, if containment isn't a possibility, then there's two other options. Uh, the the um, one option is um, is a universal vaccine. You know, right now we, we we're creating a vaccine for the coronavirus that's that's tailored to this specific virus. You know, and, and we're hoping it doesn't mutate because the extent it mutates, then the viruses we're working on don't work or work less effectively. So, but, so what we ultimately want to do is create a, um, a universal virus that, that basically impacts the part of the virus that doesn't mutate and, and that, that impacts not just one strain of virus, you know, it could impact, let's say, the coronavirus, influenza, just various kinds of viruses, viral infections. All right, that would be great. Um, but um, it's a major, major research challenge. Um, 10, 20, 30 years, I'll give you an example, just a regular vaccine, not even a universal vaccine, AIDS. AIDS has killed over 20 million people, okay, since 1981. And um, 40 years, we still don't have a vaccine for it. So that'll give you just like an understanding of how difficult it is to create these vaccines, especially universal vaccines that just like work on whatever virus comes up. So, all right, so that's, that is not, again, a, um, a safer, wise strategy, strategy to be safe from future pandemics. The only other option we have 
again, you remember that chart where all these um, pandemics, epidemics are coming from animals. Sometimes a bat will infect a pig and the pig will infect us or a bat will infect a, a chicken or something like that. Or they just develop in our factory farms, you know, just from the um, horrible, horribly unsanitary conditions. So the only option we have is to end factory farming, that we're not going to be doing this out of our kindness, unfortunately, because we should be doing it to not be so cruel to 70 billion animals each year. Um, so that, that'll be our option, and people will see that. People will see that, and then people will see, well, you know, if we um, transition to this cellular agriculture, we're going to be eating much healthier because, like, the number one cause, for example, of, of death in the United States is heart disease. The number one cause of heart disease is meat consumption because of the cholesterol and the saturated fats and because of the cars. I mean, like, the number two cause of death in the United States is cancer. And again, that's meats and, and dairy and eggs are highly implicated in, in cancer. You, you cook a meat um, too hot, you know, the temperature is too high, you develop carcinogens. You know, so, um, so basically, cellular agriculture, these new clean meat foods can uh, not only keep us safe, and again, like just a quick review, what happens is that like, you know, the, the reason these pandemics develop in farms is because it's so unsanitary. I've talked about this before. But in order for the cellular agriculture to work, the conditions have to be extremely sanitary. You can't have bacteria and, and viruses, you know, in these. They, they have to be sanitized, these, these laboratories, these factories. So because of that, really, we, we're, we're talking about it, it's easily our best option for remaining safe from future pandemics but it's more than that it's like we can probably become 99 plus percent safe that that's how you know effective this is you know again before the domestication of animals there were no pandemics because there wasn't this contact between humans and animals you know especially slaughtered animals and all all right so so whether it's this spring <laughs> um coming spring or the you know, next fall, at some point we will reach that understanding. Okay, and that's what, what, what's really important to this. Once we reach that understanding, you know, there's no debate. And, and, and it's not, you know, I mentioned this before, it's not anything that businesses are going to oppose, like they oppose fighting climate change now, and like they oppose so many things that should have been done decades ago. You know, businesses, um, the market is beginning to tank. I, th I, think, I think the market is going to tank because Trump, Trump's potential victory is so dangerous, uh, setting everything else aside, the coronavirus. You know, people understand that he's, he refuses to do what's necessary to contain this. He refuses to ensure that we have enough masks. He refuses to ensure we have enough testing. He refuses to, to mandate what we need to do to be safe from this. And so like businesses understand that if he wins, um, you know, the market's going to suffer a lot.
And, and so like, so what, what, what people are doing is they're, they're taking their money out of the market now. You know, I, I think it's beginning. It's probably going to uh, go through on the rest of September into October. Who knows how low it'll go. But, you know, that it's just an indication that, that businesses, uh, the last thing businesses want is uh, a Trump victory. So again, so like, now, you know, whenever we come to this realization that cellular agriculture is what we need to do, um, we won't have to battle businesses in, in terms of uh, doing it. And, and, you know, it's only $50 billion, you know, that remember that $8 trillion that I, you know, posted that the Congressional Budget Office predicts will will have spent. And again, it's probably going to be 10, 12, maybe 16 trillion once we're done. 50 billion is only one half of 1% of this $8 trillion um, that we've already spent. I should do the math on the 6 trillion. We've probably, we've, I'm sure we've spent over 6 trillion now. We're probably close to 8 trillion. Um, one half of 1%. So how, how do we not, how do we not make this investment? So, all right, so that's just the beginning. So like, you know, we realize this is what we need to do. The next, next phase is, are, you know, on a psychological level, they, they will show us that we can change. They, they will show us that we are not mired in the past, in, in this, this um, passivity, this lack of, of action on, on what needs to be done. It'll show us, but well, first it'll show us what we need to do. <laughs> when, and, you know, in order for this to work, you know, Every country in the world has to transition. So, you know, there has to be a, a collective, you know, unified global effort. And think about, you know, the reporting on this, you know, like, you know, some countries may not, you know, be so willing to, to cooperate, but, you know, global pressure, maybe there'll be, you know, economic sanctions or, you know, the United, you know, we, we, we won't be able to afford some countries opting out. So, you know, so you have this, this, this unified global effort to transition, to end the factory farms, to uh, within two, three years, you know, create this, this new industry that, that has these meat, uh, fish, egg, dairy products in supermarkets, you know, and, and to basically just finally um, ending the risk of, of, of future pandemics for us as much as possible. Um, that's major, that's major. Um, think, of all, think of the news stories that will come out as each country agrees and these factories are built. The jobs are created in this new industry. Um, you know, there, there's more that, that has to happen. Um, I think people will probably realize that um, that with business calling the shots as they have for over a century, you know, really since this country was, was created, that that's, that, that's a recipe for, for what? Climate change next. You know, the, 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 um, you know I've, I've got to like uh, call up some, some articles on like the melting of the Arctic um, shelves 
You know, they're, they're afraid that some Arctic shelf is going to break off, <coughs> melt, and 10 feet of, of, of sea, sea level rise um, much, much sooner, decades, many decades sooner than they anticipated would be happening several decades ago. So, um, so another thing that's probably going to happen because of this, because some, some businesses are just like, they're incorrigible. They just like, they're so corrupt, so self-serving. I mean, it's the, the, the nature of corporations is like, they're beholden to their shareholders. They could care less about, you know, the public, you know, the, the, the global good. Um, so that, that system is unsustainable. So basically, what, I mean, like corporations are good, but just what, what's bad is that they have any political power at all. They should have absolutely no political power. So, so we need to, you know, one of the things that's going to happen when, when Biden gets elected, that has to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then, you know, game's over. I mean, we, we just don't have a prayer for our future. But um, if, he, if he understands um, the world we're moving into, zero um, financial impact by corporations, by individuals even in our political system. You know, right now, contributions to these politicians by corporations and rich people mean that these politicians, to a great extent, are working on behalf of their contributors, their donors. They're not working on what's best for us you know, because they're, they're basically trying to get reelected. It, it's a really selfish um, standpoint from them, but it's like, you know, it's realistic in the sense that that's how our politics works. So we have to change that. So imagine, and, and this is like major, getting money out of politics is the holy grail. There are so many wonderful things that could be done that haven't been done because of money in politics. And so this, we're, we're moving into an era where Perhaps, perhaps to, um, to, um, to have this global cooperation on, on transitioning from farming animals to cellular agriculture. And certainly to, to finally, you know, I think people are going to be awakened by this to the threat of climate change. You know, they're going to say, well, if this pandemic happened, then yes, maybe the, the scientists who are warning us about climate change are, are right about that also. Because, you know, like epidemiologists have been warning us about these pandemics for decades, people didn't listen. I think people are going to have a lot more respect for scientists moving forward. So, so, um, so yeah, once we get money out of politics, then it's, you know, a United States by the people, of the people, and for the people. And not just, you know, not just for the United States, for the, for the world, because, you know, our, 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 our global politics, our national politics really have to reflect, for example, the understanding that it's not enough for us to, uh, for us to do everything we can to contain climate change. Every country has to be involved. <laughs> Same as with this pandemic. All right, I'm running out of time. Um, I'm going to continue to, you know, um, to paint this, this very positive optimistic view of, of how this COVID-19 is just like creating, you know, through a lot of pain, I understand, just like World War II, you know, and, and other calamities we've suffered in the past. It, we're, we're suffering, but we're creating a much, much better world as a result. All right, thanks for watching. Catch this every Monday through Friday on White Plains Community Media cha Channel 76. If you get Optimum 45, you get Verizon. It's on um, YouTube and 
as 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 um, podcasts on um, iTunes and Spotify. Okay, thanks for watching, and God willing, I will be back uh, tomorrow.